0: We're up to mitzvah number 39. This is the first mitzvah after the Ten Commandments. And today we're going to do mitzvah number 39, mitzvah number 40, and mitzvah number 41. They don't seem to be immediately connected. But right after the story of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, we have three quick mitzvahs right after the Ten Commandments that don't seem to be immediately connected. But the reason why we're going to lump them together, is going to be evidence as we discuss it. So mitzvah number 39 is to not make images of any sort. Mitzvah number 40 is to not use metal implements when making the altar. And mitzvah number 41 is when you make a ramp to ascend the altar, it should not have steps, instead it should be a slope. So again, mitzvahs that don't seem to be connected in a material way, but we'll we'll see how they really are connected. Especially because they're just bunched right together after the Ten Commandments narrative. So let's go through them one by one. The first mitzvah, mitzvah number 39, is a prohibition against making the image of a man even for the sake of beauty. So of course, in the Ten Commandments, you have the prohibition against making an idol which is an image or a figurine that you're going to worship, a a deity, a pagan deity. Here we see that someone is prohibited from making an image, even if that image is not going to be worshipped, and it's only going to be used for beautification. And that doesn't matter if it's made out of metal, or it's made out of wood, or it's made out of stone. doesn't matter what the material is. It is included in this prohibition in chapter... 20 of Exodus, don't make with me gods of silver and gods of gold, which the Talmud understands, don't make something which is like me. And of course, mankind, humanity, is created in the image of God. So when it says don't make me, it's implied. Don't make with me or something like me, and don't make an image of a human now, this is different than the mitzvah that preceded it, the mitzvah of not to make an idol, because the idol is made for worshiping, and this is made for beauty, uh, a statue or some sort of a figure that you just want to have for beauty. And the reason, the simple understanding is that the reason for this is because statue is a statue, and if a statue is worshipped and the next statue is not worshipped, they're close enough, they could be conflated, it's close enough to idolatry that it is prohibited. Now, when the Rambam gives us the background of this, of this mitzvah, he tells us that it has to bulge. It has to be protruding. Which means whatever the image is, it can't be something which is a uh, flat, which is 2D. So a painting or a, um, if it's some sort of, uh, of seal, he tells us like a signet. So it depends. He listed the way, the, the, this is how he lays it out. If it is, a cygnet ring that has an image of a man, and the cygnet ring is bulging; it protrudes. Then the cygnet ring itself is a problem because, again, it's an image of a man that's that's bulging, that's protrude, uh, that's protruding. But to stamp with it, because when you stamp on on wax with a cygnet ring, if the cygnet ring itself is bulging, then the result of the seal that results is going to be of course inlaid. It's going to be engraved. It's not going to be bulging. So he says in that case, the signet ring itself is a problem, but using it is not a problem. Whereas if the signal ring is sunken, then the signal ring itself is allowed to you allowed to keep it, but you're not allowed to use it, because then the result of when you when you dunk it into the wax is going to be a bulging image of a man. And that is A problem. And then he goes on to tell us that it's not only men, but it's also angels, it's also constellations, it's also galaxies, things that could be conflated with God. Don't make things that are like me. So things from this, from the spiritual realm, so to speak, things from the, uh, the upper realms or humanity, you're not allowed to, to make those. Whereas animals or other living things, other species, uh, trees, And grasses and of the like, those things is not a problem, even if it is bulging. That's what the Rabbin tells us. That's the, that's the law. In fact, when the Talmud talks about the, the calendar. So we have very complicated laws of determining when the new, when the new day of the month is. And that, of course, follows the lunar cycle, the, 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 the moon. And the Talmud tells us that one of the great rabbis, had images of moons that he would use to test or to interrogate or to cross-examine the witnesses. Did you see a moon like this, this kind of crescent or that kind of crescent? And Thomas says, wait a minute, how was he allowed to make those moons? You know, they're, they're 3D moons that he would have and he would show them to the prospective witnesses to determine the viability of their testimony. Wait a minute, isn't that a problem with this particular mitzvah? Which again, nothing to do with idolatry, at least not on the surface, but you're not allowed to make these images. The Talmud tells us, well, so there's a difference. This was, he was using it for constructive purpose to, to, to interrogate the witnesses. It wasn't even used for beauty and therefore it would be okay. Now there's an interesting Rashi, uh, in his commentary on the Torah in, in Exodus chapter 20. He adds that this is also a reference to the cherubs. See, it's something very interesting. We know, The mitzvah that is warned, that we're warned about the most in the Torah is idolatry. And then in the Holy of Holies, what do we have? We have the Ark, and on top of the Ark we have the cover, and on top of the cover we have these two cherubs, these two gold cherubs, which again, images. And it's like, what's going on over here? And the answer, of course, is that this is sanctioned. This is God said, do it like I instructed you, whereas idolatry is not sanctioned. But if we were to just be aliens dropped onto earth and say, okay, you see an image, you see an image, they look virtually identical to each other. But we are told how to make the cherubs. It's got to be two cherubs facing each other. It's got to be made out of gold. If we tamper with that in any way, says Rashi, we're already running afoul with this mitzvah that if we decide to let's say make the cherubs out of silver, you know, we got to cut costs of course. Or we make more than two or fewer than two, then behold, it's as if we're making idols. So that's the law. The law is to not make images of of humans, of angels, of various constellations, provided that they're 3D, provided that they're bulging. That's why there is a um, – the Talmud talks about, well, what if uh, there's a statue but the statue is done in a way? Is there any way to do a kosher statue – that you could have in your garden to make it uh, to make it nice to make it pretty, but to not have this problem. So Talmud talks about maybe if you cut off one of its limbs to kind of make it a little bit not perfect or not could not be in any way viewed as an idol, then it might be okay. Uh, then that that's that the, that's some of the discussions related to this mitzvah. That's the first mitzvah, mitzvah number thirty-nine. Mitzvah number forty doesn't seem to be at all related, and that is to not use hewn stones. When we build the altar and really the law stands to building the tabernacle and building the the temple as well, not to use hewn stones. What does that mean? You have a stone, of course. You get stones uh, from their natural sources. You kind of have to make them in the right shape. You want them square or whatever. You cannot use metal to hew them to make them the size that you want. Now, there's a very interesting Rashi gives us two reasons for this mitzvah. Why would you not be allowed to use metal to shape the stones of the altar? So he tells us in his first answer that the altar was created to elongate, to lengthen man's life. And metal was created to shorten man's life. And therefore, It's not appropriate to have the shortener come and be waved, be brandished upon the lengthener. That's the first reason. It means that they're they're opposites. Metal, of course, is used to make weapons, to make swords and the like, and therefore it's created to shorten life, whereas the altar brings atonement, it brings expiation, to those who bring sacrifices, it's their length of life and therefore their opposites, that they have to be in, in different camps. That's the first idea. And then he says something very fascinating. He says that the altar provides peace between the Jewish nation and their father in heaven. And therefore, something which cuts down, something which destroys, should not be brought upon. It's not fear for the altar itself. The altar is a peacemaking device. Don't bring upon it. It's not fair to bring upon the altar something which is a shortening device, something which is a destroying device. And then he tells us, and if that's true, that we're so sensitive to the stones of the altar that don't hear, that don't see, that don't speak, because they are peace-bringing devices. The Torah says, don't wave metal upon it. If someone provides peace between a man and his wife, between a family, one family and another family, between one person and his fellow man, how much more so will God ensure that no punishment befalls him? God is ensuring here that the altar doesn't have the punishment, so to speak, of having metal waved upon it. And of course, the altar, it's an inanimate thing. It doesn't speak. It doesn't have feelings. But still, the lesson is if you bring peace, God's going to protect you. How much more so for us? If we are peacemakers, if we bring peace between fellow people, between family members, between husband and wife, how much more so will God make sure that we are spared from punishment and tribulations? The Ramban, he offers three additional reasons for this mitzvah. He tells us because if someone were to use metal to cut some stone, then what's going to do? What are you going to do with the leftovers? You have the chips, the the residue, the leftover stone that was not used. Then you'll have half the stone on the altar, the other half in the trash can. It's not it's not appropriate. Alternatively, there was a concern that the leftover stones will be taken by the idolaters, and they'll use the stone, which is a leftover stone from the altar, and they're going to make an altar for idolatry. And he quotes the Rambam that. They would take the stones, or the, the idolaters would have a practice. They would take the stones and try to form them into, into little idols, and therefore we don't want to have the residue. We don't have the leftover stones uh, hanging around. Now, if you don't use metal implements, how indeed do you shape the stones? So the Ram tells us that there's various other ways to get stones. We could have uh, stones from the, from the water. We have stones, um, from virgin ground. You dig very deep to find stones that were never touched upon by metal. Because the problem is, is that even if you touch the metal in it, now you've invalidated that stone. So there's a, this tremendous distance that we place between stones and, or stones intended for the, for the altar and metal that, of course, is prohibited to be waved upon these stones. So the Talmud tells us, and we read about it in the Mishnah, that there was a special worm called the Shamir, not to be confused with the Prime Minister of Israel, Yitzchak Shamir in the, in the 80s, but there was a special Shamir worm that it would trace a line in the stone and it would, it would cut all the, it was like a laser. It would just cut through all the stone and that's again a workaround to this problem. You're not using metal, but you're using something else which is not a metal implement to cut the stone. The Mishnah tells us that this worm was created at twilight between Friday and Shabbos of the week of creation to tell us that this was a magical worm. Just like you have the Friday, which is the kind of the mundane, and then you have the Shabbat, which is the holy, there's there's ten things the Mishnah tells us that were created between the two times. The twilight period where it's half Friday, it's half Shabbos, it's half the holy day, to tell you these are things that kind of they're hybrids of the physical and the spiritual. And then one of the things that it lists is the Shamir, which is this, again, it's a worm, it's a physical thing, but it has some spiritual, has some spiritual powers. It's like, it's like this magical laser. The Talmud has a very interesting narrative how you actually transport this, this animal. Because everything that you put it in, you, you put it in, it would just cut right through it. So that was, it was a problem of transportation. How, how did Solomon find this animal? It's a, it's a whole story in the Talmud. How did Solomon actually find this animal? How did he find it? How did he transport it? Um, what happened to it subsequently? So it's a great mystery as to, uh, the identity and the, the the abilities of this, of this animal. But again, that, that's what he did to make sure that he's not running afoul with this mitzvah. Moreover, he would not use metal for any parts, even though the the verse itself only indicates that you don't use it for the altar. It's extended to all parts of the, of the temple, the tabernacle. One interesting law that uh, we find out in the, in the sources, Is that twice annually they would clean the altar, they would whitewash it. And the Talmud talks about how you couldn't use metal to apply the whitewash; you have to use uh, other other tools in order to not avoid, in order to not allow the metal to touch the stone. So again, another interesting law doesn't seem to necessarily be related to the previous law, but that's mitzvah number forty: not to use metal implements when preparing the stones of the altar. And finally, mitzvah number 41, which immediately follows the previous mitzvah, and that is to not take big steps upon the, the altar. So if you're gonna ascend the altar, if you have steps, you have to lift your leg in a big way, and that will expose your nakedness. And therefore, instead, what you do is you have a ramp, and that way you could take smaller steps and not allow your legs to open Wide and not allow the altar to see your nakedness, and another amazing rush here that we see. He tells us again, explaining the idea that if there's steps, you have to expand your 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 gate, your walk, and even though this is not considered actually revealing your nakedness because it actually had pants, so they had underwear. The the, the Cohen would have wear underwear essentially, so there's not really a problem. But still, it's it's close enough. It's 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 too immodest for the temple. And therefore, you make a ramp instead. And then again, Rashi tells us a lesson from this. You have these stones that they are inanimate. They don't feel shame. And yet, the Torah says, be careful not to expose your nakedness over it. Prevent it from having any shame, or from experiencing anything unpleasant. Don't treat it in a demeaning fashion. And then your friend, says Rashi, your friend who is created in the image of your creator, i.e. the image of God, and he's someone who's very sensitive to his shame, how much more so must you be careful to not shame your friend? If the Torah is so fastidious to make sure that even the, the, the the inanimate stones of the altar don't experience something unpleasant, or even something which is even close to something which is unpleasant, how much more so must we be careful around our friends that are very sensitive to not cause them to feel embarrassed or to demean them in any fashion. So that's the third mitzvah that we find right after the Ten Commandments, and that is to make a ramp instead of steps as we ascend to the altar. Now, my grandfather, blessed memory, he said a very powerful idea regarding these three mitzvahs as a collective whole. And he said, if you look at these three, again, we have not to make any images – even if it's used for beauty, not to use metal to form, to shape the stones of the altar, and not to ascend the the altar in a staggered fashion with steps. And he pointed out that there's three prohibitions that are called the cardinal sins, meaning these are the three worst sins that you could do, and the sins that you have to give up your life to for, for your life to not transgress. And they are, of course, murder, idolatry, and adultery, or other sexual sins. And here we see, if you look at these three mitzvos, they all are related to one of these three sins. How so? Well, we start off with not making images. And we even said it's it's somehow related to idolatry. It's not idolatry, but it has maybe a small slight scintilla hint, a whiff of idolatry to it. Even that you should avoid using metal to cut stone is very, very distant from murder, but it's somewhat related because you're using the tools of weaponry of violence for for the altar. That's a problem. But again, it, it's a very sensitive, nuanced, but but distant, but somehow related in a in a very distant way to to murder. And then again, we see a sensitivity to that as well. And finally, you know, to compare adultery with walking up steps—very, very very distant—but there is some sort of overlap, even even in a very minor way. And therefore, what he tells us, the Torah, after we finish Ten Commandments, we have all these grand principles of Judaism, and we have now essentially an introduction to living as a Jew. We have now the mitzvot, and we get these three mitzvot, one after another, that tell us not about the most egregious expression of a misdeed that we could do, the three cardinal sins, but even the things that are so subtle that if we were to look at them independently, we would not think they're the same. But when we explain it, you could find slight overlap. It's telling us to become, to, to grow, so to speak, spiritually, to develop sensitivities, even to these, to these minor things. And then he added, we read in the beginning of Perkiavos, the beginning of chapters of the fathers, that the world stands upon three things. There's three spiritual qualities that uphold the world. And of course, the commentators discusses that this world is the next world. But regardless, there's three characteristics that really are fundamental, are essential to maintaining the world. What what are they? They, of course, are Torah, worship of God, and kindness. And then he tells us that these three are the exact opposites, are the antithesis of the three sins that are destructive. Well, let's start with a simple one. You have kindness, which is giving. And what do you, what is the thing that you could take the most from someone? You take their life. Murder. And then you have worship of God. And of course, the exact opposite of that, the polar opposite of that is worship idolatry. And then you have Torah, which is the opposite of sexual crimes. That doesn't immediately connect. But the answer is, like the Rahm tells us, that someone only has illicit thoughts in their head if their head is, or the heart is devoid of wisdom. Meaning that what Torah is trying to do, Torah study, it's trying to take over our minds, take over our, our, our thoughts, our consciousness. If that's dominating your consciousness, Torah, then you're going to be spared from having other thoughts take over. And therefore, those two, even though they don't immediately seem to be Opposites, they really, they really are. And then we see like a connection again between these three mitzvos that are very, very sensitive echoes, if you will, of the three cardinal sins. And right after the Ten Commandments, we have this idea to expand, so to speak, our, our spiritual vistas, our spiritual horizons, to say, okay, it's not just the big things now. It's time to start. Developing a sensitivity for even the most minor of, of transgressions. And we picked three that relate to three core aspects of, of our conflict, the spiritual conflict that we're, that we face in this, in this world. And therefore we're told, don't make images of any sort. Don't use metal to cut the stone. And don't have steps to ascend the ramp to the altar.